views presented in this program are not meant to represent the specific views of Aletheia Bible Fellowship. You are listening to an ABF Studios production. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure all of you on YouTube are subscribed and ring the bell so you can be informed of all of our upcoming shows. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfstudios.org where you can access more podcasts, learn more about ABF, and our local church in Portland, Oregon. Now, with all that being said, I'm Tiffany, your ABF Studios Director, and this is Truth Time. Welcome to Truth Time. I'm Pastor Monty, and with me is Pastor Josh. Hello. And we are going to continue our discussion as we've been in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 3, and we're going to continue our discussion uh, during the Christ sector. So uh, the uh, intro there with uh, the Gaither vocal band, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. The Apostle Paul agrees with that, in fact, but he says that you are no longer to put that uh, in the forefront of how it is that you live. So in Colossians chapter 3, we left off with verse uh, 8, basically. Um, but let's go back and just uh, pick up where we were in verse 8. Okay, so, but now you must put away uh, them all, that is, all those things that are uh, listed before in verse 5, 6, and 7, which is uh, what you life was prior to Christ. You must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, do not lie to one another, saying that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Then here's where we pick up then. Here, where you are now this, this uh, as a new creation in Christ, here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So not only does the Apostle Paul here uh, tell the church at Colossae that the, the old self is, is uh, dead and you're no longer to practice those uh, things which are associated with the glorification of self um, because you are a new creation in Christ. So that old stuff is dead, you're a new creation in Christ, and you're to live uh, in such a way that you glorify Christ. But then he goes even further to say 
that there are no distinctions uh, for those who are in Christ. We are all in Christ, and one, uh, I, the, the emphasis here is that there's no distinctions, uh, is that one of the things that, that uh, men are notorious for, men meaning, you know, all-inclusive men and women, um, are notorious for is drawing distinctions between uh, individuals. Um, for example, when you look at the uh, uh, First Corinthians, um, you know the Apostle Paul in the very first chapter of, of uh, First Corinthians, he's uh, writing to the Church of Corinth, and he's dealing with the fact that there are people within the Church of Corinth that they're saying, "Well, you know, I follow this person and I follow that person," and they were setting themselves up as, as uh, you know, uh, they're more special than the other. Uh, inside of the body of Christ because they follow a particular teaching or a practice. And the Apostle Paul says, no, no, no that's, that's not the case. In Christ, we are all the same. One is not better than the other. One is not lifted up above the other. We are to function as one body, all of us being the same, all of us being the same in our identity as those who have been set apart by the blood of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. just we need to be careful. There are distinctions, but there's no distinctions in regard to value. Okay. Uh, you mean distinctions, for example, men and women? Men and women, yeah. yeah. Even, even particularly, <laughs> particularly with what we're going through in our culture right now, sure. Well, and I've heard... Uh, I've heard... I guess if you, it seems like an oxymoron, but if you want to say trans theologians, okay, try to use this verse specifically to say otherwise. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I get it, I get it, and that's a misrepresentation of what the scripture is saying, you know, because um, that what is that issue there in the in the world in which we live in today with all the stuff going on culturally is that they're they're trying to make some type of a value statement. Yeah, their identity, their whole identity yeah. is summed up in that. Our identity is summed up in who Christ is and what he did for us. And in that, there's no distinction between us or anyone else. Yeah, that's correct. And and so that's, that's an important thing to understand, that our identity is, in fact, tied to Christ. And so because of that, in verse 12, the Apostle Paul then says, put on then, as if you're putting on uh, a, a, new, a new wardrobe, a new clothes, Put on then, um, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put these, uh, put uh, these, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So, so we are then, as disciples of Christ, um, we are to, to have our identity in who we are in Christ. We're not to identify with the things of the world. We're not to uh, to try to elevate ourselves above other believers within the body, but we are to uh, reflect 
the work of Christ in our lives. And if we are to put on anything, we are to work at, uh, you know, um, having a, a compassionate heart, being kind, uh, having humility, meekness. Um, the definition for meekness, a lot of people struggle with this. Definition for meekness, I would say the best definition I've heard is uh, a power under control. Um, and patience. <laughs> Tough one. A lot of people have difficulty with that. Bearing with one another, um, you know, talking about the fact that if there are complaints, you know, then the first mode of operation that you should have, if you are upset with somebody or somebody has rubbed you the wrong way or there's going to be conflict, and any time you get people together, there's going to be conflict. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, except that uh, our uh, sinful nature oftentimes raises its head. If that conflict is there, we are to what? We are to forgive each other because we ourselves have been forgiven. In I think I, I, there's a uh, Garth Brooks has this uh, great song uh, about um, uh, burying the hatchet. Uh, but leaving the handle sticking out. I believe you've talked about this multiple times. I well, not multiple, but once or twice. It's a great song. Right. And and uh, <laughs> well, and, and it's relevant because uh, people do that. They mm -hmm. do that. Yep. You know, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get along. We're gonna bury the hatchet, and then you know, later when something uh, teases us off, we dig up whatever we buried there and uh, use that. And you know, that, we're not supposed to do that. So, and then uh, again, above all, uh, put on love. Now, very important to understand, and Josh, Pastor Josh talked about this last week. Just let me um, remind you that in, in Scripture, we really dominantly only see two, uh, two types of love represented in the Greek. Either, uh, either brotherly love, phileo, brotherly love, um, the type of love that you would have towards a brother or a sister, and then agape. And agape is, is specifically uh, directed towards, uh, as I demonstrate love for my brother or sister in Christ, as I demonstrate that, I'm interested and in praying for um, and in directing that love towards what is uh, what is best uh, for them. So I'm going to act in such a way of what is best towards the the one whom is being loved. And that's a high calling. That's a high calling to be able to do that. But that's how we are to love one another. Not uh, because the opposite of that is people lifting up themselves, and we're not to lift up ourselves because self is dead but we are to um, act in such a way that we love one another, and that should bind us together. With Jesus, in the book of John, says exactly that. He says in the book of John, um, they shall know you. Speaking of the world, he says, they shall know you um, by your love. And, and sadly to say, the church has not always demonstrated that historically. Still doesn't. And still has a great deal of difficulty with it. Um, but that is uh, the command that we are to have towards one another. And in doing so, then when, when, we, uh, when we forgive others, 
when we, you know, seek peace, when we're humble and meek in how we uh, present ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we act uh, in, in graciousness towards uh, one another, then uh, there will be uh, harmony. And there will be peace in the body. And that is what the Apostle Paul is, is, uh, is you know, looking for as he's giving instruction to the church at Colossae. So remember the reason he's writing this is because obviously the church was having difficulty. Yeah. And so he's addressing these things to say, hey, remember, you know, and remind them. Well, the fact that you're struggling with these things does not mean that you're not a believer. That's the whole reason the epistles were written. Right. So, and, and there's a lot of Christians out there who think that if you comment on these things, that these struggles that, that people are having, then somehow you're doing something wrong. Somehow you're not being gentle because you're bringing something up or you're exposing um, something that people don't want to expose and, and that's wrong. But we have to remember that the epistles, the, the epistles were written for that purpose because there were things that needed to be exposed that needed to be brought to the surface and it didn't make people not believers. Um, so we need to have a practice of exposing the things that are wrong while at the same time holding that people are believers. And that's why we have that practice to get people back on track. Yeah. From a historical perspective, you know, there in there's only, there's only one uh, book in the New Testament that has the emphasis of, um, of conversion and, and, and what conversion is to look like. Uh, with the exception of the Gospels, so the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, with the exception of that, that book, by the way, is the book of Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and then uh, the book of Acts. The rest of the entirety of the whole New Testament is is uh, addressing issues within the growing church and how it is that people are to act and deal with now their newfound faith. Yeah. And and that's uh, so um, that's why it behooves people to um, take the time to read through Scripture to understand these issues because these were real life issues that affected the the New Testament church and clearly uh, continue to affect the church today. And so uh, we, we're placing emphasis here because we're going through the book of Colossians. But if you want to have victory and power in your life, then this is certainly an area where um, you want, this is where you want to have uh, some emphasis. And then let me, let me just uh, end this section today with, um, with this salutation that uh, the Apostle Paul makes here, starting at verse 15, where he says, And let the peace of, the, of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing. Where it go? So we want to welcome you back. Um, you know, Craig Ferguson, when he interviews guests, um, he has this... Uh, he has this um, different gimmicks that he uses. Uh, one of them that he uses is that uh, does the guest want to do an uh, an awkward pause 
<laughs> between him and the guests, and and uh, I feel like we just we just had an awkward pause. The technology forced us, uh, but we're back. Yes. So let's go ahead and uh, finish up uh, our thought in the Christ factor that uh, that we are we are called now to put on Christ. That's the emphasis that the Apostle Paul is making here. That we are our identity is in Christ, and we are called to put on Christ. Let's go ahead and close that section, and let's uh, talk a little bit about um, about relationship. So when we're talking about relationships, we're, we're, we've been uh, we're we're currently talking about uh, the relationship that exists. Uh, within the body of Christ, and how the body of Christ is to function. And this is actually a fairly lengthy discussion, and so we'll do this over several weeks because because of the complexity, well, in part because of what we've just talked about when we were looking at the book of Colossians, where um, the, if, if we were left, if we were left to ourselves, then, um, then how we function within the body of Christ would be uh, chaotic. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul had to spend so much time uh, writing letters of correction, as it were, to the various uh, bodies within the, the New Testament setting and, and uh, churches that were being established. That's the reason why he had to write the corrective letters, because because uh, people people left unto themselves who are unregenerated and or who have been uh, regenerated by the by the work of Christ but don't understand what's happened uh, as a result of the work of Christ on the cross um, tend to emphasize uh, they 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 revert back to to that which is is already dead self and when that, whenever you get a group of people together that uh, emphasize self, and that is the that is how they operate, uh, you're going to have chaos. Well, that's that's all people without God. So yes, and well, yeah, and that's the reason. That's the reason why. And I'm, I'm I guess I'm putting it the way I am because in the body of Christ, it shouldn't be that way. Right. And and yet you know oftentimes it is. I mean you hear. You know, uh, you hear about the the different drama that exists. If you're if you're a pastor, uh, you know one of the things that you constantly have to deal with is there's these little uh, squabble type drama things going on mm-hmm. all over the place. Or um, in a larger sense, when it get when that gets out of control, then what happens is that uh, churches uh, split. And you know you go you go you go your way and I'll, I'll go mine yeah um, and and so that again that's problematic it's problematic because because uh, as I alluded to uh, earlier uh, before our awkward pause Jesus in the book of John says that you know one of the ways that the world will know we belong to him is our love for one another and if we don't act in a loving manner that's a problem. So, um, so in regard to relationship, uh, I guess the, a good starting point is to be reminded that um, if we're if we were to to do this on our own within the body of Christ, then um, that's where you begin to have problems. 
But but the, but remember that Jesus also in the book of John uh, s- states that he had to leave. So he's talking to his disciples, and he states he had to leave so that he might send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, so when Jesus ascended, then the Holy Spirit uh, descended, in, in, in this case, in the book of Acts and Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit's presence uh, within the body of Christ uh, helps to equip us uh, to be able to get along. Yes. Yeah. So, so um, that's, that's the reason why um, we have spent some time in the past uh, talking about uh, and understanding, uh, first of all, the fruit of the Spirit. And we alluded to this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. We're understanding that, uh, that because the Holy Spirit equips us, uh, we then, uh, as we interact with one another, are going to have the fruit of the Spirit uh, uh, evident in our lives and developing as we mature in our relationship with Christ. And oftentimes you'll see difficulties within the body of Christ, um, be, not because the fruit of the Spirit isn't present, but because it's either not being a yield to and being exercised and or um, because of immaturity uh, within the uh, the local body, mm. and so um, you know, it's so uh, remember um, Galatians chapter five. So Galatians chapter five, through the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, self control, gentleness. Gentleness, did I not mention? Okay, gentleness. Gentleness, self control. There you go. Nah, you're missing one still. Keep so, going. Okay, so. Goodness. He said goodness. Goodness. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, so. The, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Steph. So the, uh, the point is, is that, um, and I don't know if we talked about this or not, but it probably a good idea to just talk a little bit about the fact that it is possible for an individual who is a disciple of Christ to not yield uh, to the work of the Spirit in, in their life. Sure. Yeah, there are... There are uh, there Maybe are, not for long. Not for long, because there will be consequences attached with that. But, but, the, but the Holy Spirit prompts us the Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit reminds us and seeks to draw us towards Christ. But there are individuals who claim that they know Christ, who resist the work of the Spirit within their lives, and and that then becomes problematic, problematic in the relationship that exists within the body because what they're doing is they're emphasizing self rather than emphasizing who they are uh, in in Christ, and we've just spent a great deal of time talking about um, that our identity as disciples of Christ is now who we are in Christ. Yes, right. So, so that's why um, you. So you not only have the fruit of the Spirit. So all of those things that we've mentioned in Galatians chapter five uh, are not. Uh, I've heard some people say uh, the fruits. Right. As if they're multiple. It's a pet peeve along with revelations and psalms. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like people think that it's revelations when really it's revelation. And they think that it's uh, the book of psalm when it's psalms. 
Right. But then it's the individual song. Anyway, yeah. Fruit, yeah so fruits it, of the spirit versus fruit. Right. It is fruit, not fruits. Right. So which speaks to um, which speaks to the origin of what we're dealing with. And of course, this is the this is the these are the things that we are equipped with as we saturate ourselves and yield to uh, the Holy Spirit um, working in our lives. And that that is a process of maturity that every believer uh, is in the process of going through, whether you're, uh, whether you're a young believer and you're still learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit and to begin to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in your life, or you're an old-timer, uh, you know, like Pastor Josh here, old-timer, got some gray in there. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's older than you might think, anyway. Yeah, it's a process that we never, we never stop going through. So, so um, that's that's one way that the Holy Spirit equips us, so that we might be able to have relationship inside of the body of Christ, because because the key to having uh, a harmonious relationship inside of the body of Christ is is to what to deny self because it is it is the uh, the uplifting of self that's, I mean that's part of it right yeah yeah but I mean I think that my emphasis here is that at the core of why many problems exist is the uplifting of self yeah and selfish desires or selfish agenda or you know yeah. those types of well, things well it's the it's the um, what would it be? Not orientation, polarity. It's the the gravity. It has to be inversed. It has to be going the opposite direction of self. It has to be outward focused rather than inward focused. Right, and so, and and so that's because 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 there are people who deny self, but they do it selfishly. <laughs> so it's like you know they're they're ascetic. Uh, they're yeah, they're ascetic. So they, you know, in order to achieve a certain level, uh, we'll take like um, certain sects of Buddhism, for instance, where uh, everything is a, you want to achieve nirvana, you want to ascend past your, past the shell. And so that you do so by denying self because self is an illusion. Right. So it's, you know, focus on God, deny self, be outward focused on God. Right. In, in Hinduism, it's asceticism. Yeah. For example. Yeah. You know. Um, so, so there are yeah. In other forms of uh, religious beliefs, there's an attempt yeah. made to deny self um, through these various vehicles. Well, even like even in Christianity, there's there's you know those monks who who deny self also, but. It's not, that's not really, that's not really what God means by denying self. It doesn't mean not taking care of yourself or being a good steward of what God has given you. It means that your focus isn't on self, that it's, it's not uh, outward. Yeah. So it's, his, not, it's outward, not inward. Historically, what we found in the church was that, you know, if you, if you were a, a, a believer and you wanted to um, <laughs> shine as it were, you wanted to prove your mettle as uh, as a believer, then uh, the way to do that would be to get yourself martyred. 
Yeah. And, and then and there was that time. And and then when when uh, Christianity under Constantine, when Christianity uh, was no longer in opposition to, but in fact was being um, uh, like touted as the touted official, as yeah. the official religion of Rome, then um, what it, you you couldn't be martyred anymore. So what would you do? But you would uh, deny self by going and becoming a monk, and and setting yourself aside from society, denying yourself, denying the uh, the normal things that you know average people would do, because you're setting yourself aside. It's a it's a false, um, I guess, a false uh, equivalent. Because it's not really denied. That's not really what is meant, as Josh alluded to, when we're talking about in Scripture denying self. Right. So historically, we see that those things happen today, and and so the Holy Spirit equips us uh, so that we're able to uh, begin to put on, as it were, uh, the things of God, and that is directed towards interaction within the body. And then the next thing that the Apostle Paul talks about when he talks about then that equipping that takes place is he wants to give understanding to how that functions within the body. And so, again, the Holy Spirit provides um, a vehicle through which uh, the body might function together in harmony uh, when we, you know, Christ is the head, but the church is the body. And how do we function together in harmony? Well, the Holy Spirit uh, partially uh, does that by uh, providing us with uh, spiritual gifts. And in the past, Josh and I, Pastor Josh and I have talked uh, at length about uh, understanding the dynamic of spiritual gifts within the body of Christ. And uh, actually, you put that into a book form, did you not? Yes. Yeah. So um, that's available as a resource in our library. Sure. Um, and we won't go into a lot of detail defining every spiritual gift, uh, because that would be redundancy. But uh, needless to say, uh, to gain a, a, an understanding of how the body is to function um, we then go to, for example, to 1 Corinthians, where in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses this issue head on, and he talks about the fact that God, through his Holy Spirit, equips the body uh, that, that different roles might uh, be played out so that the body might function together. And that is, that is done by giving individuals within the body of Christ a gifting uh, that they are to um, that they are to understand, that they are to extol, and that they are to use in the body of Christ, that there might be harmony. And so, I think just because we had uh, that awkward pause, yeah, we got about fifteen minutes left. Yeah, yeah that we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and and uh, close this section and pick up. Uh, Pick up next week with a further discussion of what that really looks like um, with the body working in, in harmony uh, with the giftings that is Spiritual there. gifts. Mm. Yeah, and so we'll talk just a little bit more about spiritual gifts and uh, the importance that they play in the body of Christ when we're talking about relationship.
So let's uh, let's do. Um, <laughs> Isn't it yeah. your take? Yeah, let's let's do my take, and I I can't remember what that section's called. Well, I can't remember <laughs> what the section is, and I didn't glance at my notes as to which which uh, deal we're on. Well, if it helps, I don't remember what it's called either. So, Pastor Monty's tips and tricks. Yeah, tips. tips. <laughs> There you go. Pastor Monty's t- tips and tricks. I think they should yeah. tell us all that because we cannot remember it, it means that it's not a great name. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, alliteration aside. Yeah, maybe. Um, so so I didn't... I, I, Does yeah. it have a theme yet? I can't remember. There you go. The more yeah, you know. Yeah, she, yeah, she does this. Piano. I don't. Even, I don't even know what that comes from. It's the more you know. Okay. It's from the. It's she probably doesn't know where it comes from. It comes from an NBC ad that was done in the 1980s, where there'd be like a star, and there'd be like a stream that goes behind it, and it says "The more you know." Oh, okay. And okay. they would give like little PSAs. That's what uh, it comes from. Okay. 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 So uh, one of the things we've been talking about, what we've just been talking about the importance of, of understanding um, how to not let life overwhelm you. And there are little, uh, as uh, producer Tiffany said, there are little tips and tricks on how to do that. And so um, <laughs> I... I didn't look at my notes, so I'm not sure. So you're not sure what tip and trick you want to give? Well, there's so many. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> How about being prepared? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, being prepared. Um, the The importance of um, being prepared and the importance of having a direction in your life. And that would piggyback on what we talked about uh, last week where we talked about, um, or the week before last, I think, which is maybe why I'm a little off. Um, well, we talked about the fact that, um, pick a, pick a direction, mm-hmm. pick a direction and go with that direction because a lot of people live their lives in indecision and that's not a good place to be. But once you, once you pick a direction, then there, there are two things that you want to do. You want to, um, you want to have an, an overarching goal of what you want to achieve, so it's not, it's not just it's not just pick a direction for the sake of picking a direction. You know, we've come to a fork in the road. Do we go right? Do we go left? Um, you know, but but uh, what's the purpose of your direction? For example, uh, during the Wizard of Oz, they followed the yellow brick road not because they were just following a yellow brick road, but they wanted to get to the Emerald City, mm-hmm. where the Wizard of Oz uh, supposedly lived. So they had a goal to reach the, uh, the, uh, the Emerald City. And in life, you want to do the same thing. You want to pick, you want to pick a goal, and then you want to uh, establish um, objectives along the way to help you meet that goal. So the goal is the overarching direction that you want to go, and then you have to ask yourself how you're going to accomplish that. And a lot of times people get uh, frustrated in life because they look at uh, they look at what it is that they think their goal is, 
and it's so large and overwhelming that they they don't know where to begin. It's like, yep. <laughs> it's like it's like doing your taxes. Mm-hmm. It's like you look at that that uh, you look at that ten forty form and you go, I, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. Um, and so, so what I what I do is I I establish a goal, and then I establish short term objectives for achieving that goal. And a short term objective would be something that I could accomplish within six months to a year. Hmm. And then I... That's probably maybe more long-term than this current generation can handle. (laughs) You don't think they can can handle six six months months to a year? year? Most people's goals... Well, most people's short-term objectives fall off within a couple weeks. Wow. Well, I don't... I don't just think of I don't know how to handle that. I mean, I would maybe I would say then uh, at at the uh, something quarterly. Sure. The the reality of it is just think is, of, think in terms of New Year's resolutions. How quickly I'm going to look that up. Well, I don't even. Yeah, I mean, I don't even set New Year's resolutions. But that's an example of like how they're, how they're pointless how long it takes. Yeah. So well, but so what we do then uh, in our house, what we do is we we start out the year by saying this is our overall goal. And then we make short-term objectives and we come back to those objectives, I would say at least on a quarterly basis. The Okay, so tw- in 2020, they did a study of this. 55% of respondents kept their New Year's resolutions for less than a year. 11% lasting at least six months. 14% lasted at least three months. 19% lasted at least one month. And just 11% of that lasting less than a month. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, people have a really hard time with. Yeah. And, and we're talking about setting, we're talking about setting yourself up so that you can accomplish something. So, you know, whether we're talking about education or we're talking about, uh, you know, wanting to get out of your parents' house or you're talking about, um, you know, uh, getting a driver's license or, or, you know, whatever it is that your goal is, you just can't achieve your goal without making short-term objectives. Yeah. And so the trick is to uh, either, either sit down and map out in writing what your short-term objective is. So the question you have to ask is, here's my goal, and then how am I going to achieve that? What, what steps do I have to take? Yeah, you have to uh, reverse engineer the success. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And then you break it down. The backwards. For me, I think what's important is picking long-term goals that you can live with um, that make sense, you know? So like you Yeah, sometimes think, people are so lofty that they, they would Yeah, and, and so like it's a – so that way your life – uh, you work with your life in terms in terms of that. If I'm moving in this direction, like I just can't get it out of my mind that I want to have a wife and kids. Well, then then that seems like a decent goal for you to work backwards from. But if that's I, a great goal, move out from your parents' house. But if you, <laughs> well, unfortunately, this generation has taught us that you don't need to move out of your parents' house to have a wife and kids. Um, but. If one of your goals is like, say, I want to skydive, for instance, well, your life doesn't need you to skydive. And when you start putting all of your energy toward skydiving, then the other things in your life fall apart. Yeah. 
but you know, society does need you to, you know, be a part of it and getting together and making the primary unit, despite what we're told these days of society, having, you know, a family is that's like, that's a noble goal. It's something that makes sense for you to have. So, yeah. So picking attainable and, and picking not just attainable things, but prioritizing the goals that are worthwhile. Right. And so normally you're going to have several goals that you want to accomplish and it's put in. So it's spending time with those goals, thinking about them, then breaking them down into short-term objectives. And you can do that by discussing your goals with other individuals. Which will be a lot easier if you write them down. Right. You can learn from other individuals who maybe accomplished their own goals. They might have ideas that will help you in what you want to accomplish. And so you begin to break that down and to put it into a format so that you can then uh, later, uh, like I said, we, I, we try to look at how things are going towards our goals uh, on a quarterly to semi-annual basis. And we use uh, uh, memorial-type holidays to do like birthday, anniversary, New Year's. Um, things like that in order to sit down and say, okay, so how are we doing and are we closer, etc. So that would be one thing that I would, I would say that will help you to get out of uh, your funk and uh, get, uh, get away from the chaos that life can represent and give you some direction there. Yeah. Let's uh, close out our time today with, um, what, with uh, what's up with that. I'm going to just do something a little different uh, today with what's up with that because there's two, there's definitely two things that I would say, uh, well, there's lots of things that I would say what's up with that nowadays. But um, uh, so Amy Grant. Amy Grant, wow. Who's the life of Vince Gill. The, wi- the wife, the of, wife Vince of Vince Gill. The wife of Vince Gill, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Currently. So Vince Gill, country western singer. Amy Grant, she's a gospel uh, artist, I guess you would say. Oh, she's she's prolific. Well, and and that's that's what is at issue because Amy Grant has openly um, endorsed uh, the uh, the uh, lesbianism of her uh, of her niece. Oh, interesting. And well, that's at, not really surprising, but uh, yeah, and and uh, and so um, the the Christian community um, has been relatively silent on this issue until Franklin Graham, who is the son of Billy Billy Graham, and is the head of Samaritan's Purse and is involved in several things, uh, you know, to uh, demonstrate the the, uh, work of Christ in community. Uh, Franklin Graham wrote an open and uh, basically admonishing letter directed towards Amy Grant to say, uh, you you as a Christian artist have so much influence that it would be helpful for you to adhere to what Scripture teaches and what you're promoting runs contrary to what the Word of God teaches. 
and uh, it's it's uh, so there's this discussion now going on because Amy Grant is promoting this thing, which clearly runs against scripture, and and finally Franklin Graham has come forward and said, no, that's not not appropriate, and good for Franklin. Um, and you really have to ask yourself what. So so one of the things that we've talked about before, and we'll continue to talk about, is that in in First and Second Thessalonians. As we enter into the end times and the world becomes more chaotic, there are going to be many that claim that they're Christians. And I'm not, let me say carefully how I say this. God will determine whether or not uh, somebody's faith is genuine or not. But I tell you that one of the reasons why I stay away from the moniker Christian is because it has become so diluted in our society today. And that's why I use disciple of Christ. Um, yeah. I, I know, I know, it's hard. But, 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 um, there, but, but in, in the book of Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul clearly states that there will be those that have an appearance of godliness, uh, but, there's, but there's nothing there. Well, I don't think that, yeah, I I think that Amy Grant is shying away from the appearance of godliness, and I think she has been for a long time. Well, overtly, yeah. She, uh, you know, I, I don't want to bring up, not that anybody cares, our tens of listeners aren't going to talk to Amy Grant about it, but I don't want to bring up the, like, old news for, for gossip's sake, but we need to remember that Amy Grant was caught in an affair with Vince Gill and that their marriage, which is incidentally the same place where she hosted this lesbian wedding for her niece, their marriage um, at the same place was them divorcing the spouses on whom they cheated with to get married to each other. So Amy Grant came out of Christian music, went into pop music and then basically, you know, She's she's been distancing herself from being considered godly for a long time. And when you listen to her, she will say things like, you know, I don't know. I'm you know, I don't know what God will say about this. I only know that we're supposed to love. She's not presenting herself as a theologian. I think the problem is you have this weird sort of halo effect on anybody who has celebrity status like anybody. Right. So it could be the the musician that you listen to or the actor on TV and you listen to them talk and you think because they have a gift at emoting and they have a gift of um, even worship that that means somehow they are theologically accurate or correct. But, you know, even Aaron built a golden calf and claimed that popped out of a fire like it doesn't <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that doesn't exactly. that doesn't mean that they're they're speaking on God's behalf and so in the one vein it's like okay that really sucks and her theology is clearly wrong and good on Franklin although he's got his own issues for calling her out but in the same vein like why are people still looking to her as some sort of pillar of Christianity she she like committed adultery and then married the guy that she committed adultery with. And she removed herself from Christian music and has not been in that light for a long time. It's weird to me that she's even news in this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess what I would say, which, you know, goes back to 
what we have talked about before, and I'll just end uh, at least this discussion at this point. Um, you know, whatever you were before Christ, so, you know, thief, gossip, adulterer, lesbian, homosexual, whatever you were before Christ, that was before Christ. But when you come to Christ and you die to your old life and you raise to walk a new life, whatever you were um, is no longer to, to be a part of your life. What you what is to be a part of your life is what is is dictated by what Scripture has to say as to how it is that we are to live and interact with God and one another, and and those who walk around touting the idea that because of love um, I can still practice my homosexuality or my sexual deviancy because God loves everybody um, is is not biblical. And, uh, and, and we have to be very clear that that's the position Scripture takes. Yeah, and I would just add to it that we need to be careful to not elevate a person before the Word of God. I'm not claiming that Amy Grant is elevating herself in any way. In fact, I'd say the opposite. I think she just wants to be left alone to, to you know, yeah, to, <laughs> to practice her watered-down faith. Right. Um, <clears throat> but we need to be careful as Christians not to not to allow that halo effect to to be there. Amy Grant is a person who gave something a lot actually. She gave a lot of positive things to modern Christians. She gave a lot of worship music that was actually really really good. Um and she opened the door. She's a she's a good musical influence on Christianity. She opened the door for a lot of people to come into being worship musicians. And a lot of her music is actually decent, you know? A lot of her stuff is like straight scripture that's just been given music. Um, but that being said, that that doesn't make her <laughs> that doesn't make her um it does it doesn't make her a religious authority it doesn't make her a role model it doesn't right. make her any of this she was an artist right that's it she's an artist and so yeah she so we need to hold her accountable to that um and and not elevate her beyond that so which means if you like Amy Rand's music which like I said, she's given some good things, uh, some things not so great, uh, you know, then it's okay to like her music as long as it's theologically sound. Right. And a lot of her music is, um, you know, back when she was young and on fire for God. Uh, so, you know, that's okay. okay. But doesn't make her the end all to end alls. And I don't think we should freak out about it. So, so the last the last thing uh, I want to leave you with, and this is more for uh, those of you who might be uh, James Bond fans. Oh yes, <laughs> the uh, are rolled doll fans. Well, the um, or, or yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's there is a tendency within our culture today uh, for individuals to try to rewrite history and or to change. Uh, 
um, things to be culturally acceptable uh, for what they like or they don't like. So uh, the big thing right now is that um, we have revisionists that are taking steps in order to cleanse, as it were, uh, the writings of certain authors, and uh, they've decided that they want to pick on Ian Fleming and to rewrite so, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, James Bond. That's huge. I mean, come that's... on, no more pussy galore? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, yes. <laughs> James Bond is very... Uh, oh, wow. That's, I, I, so I, I don't know if you actually read the James Bond books. Like you, I've you always seen the, the movie. Yeah. I've always seen the. So movies. I actually read the James Bond books, and they are very um, not PC. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, very, uh, very, and they're great. Uh, the record, they're high with uh, the masculinity and chauvinism and all kinds of stuff. Well, they're just they're very much products of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and it's just like, really? Now, what Josh alluded to was that there's a, uh, a, a ch- children's author who um, penned, oh, so many different... Oh, Charlie uh, and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, The Witches, the BFG, yeah, uh, yeah. Matilda. And, and they're now going after him, his works, posthumously, because he's, yeah. he's dead. But uh, they're now uh, going in and trying to rewrite uh, his works as well. And, you know, it's like... Well, we can't forget what they've done with Dr. Seuss. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the list goes on. Uh, what we... What, J.K. JK Rowling and, and... Well, she's still... She's... You know, she's getting some, uh, some positive feedback right now there's people who are starting to rally for her even because the actors when she made her statement that uh what was it it's a simple statement somebody made some some statement about uh women who or not women it, it was about people who menstruate right that's what it was and then she just made a twitter comment like there used to be a word for that and then she like did her J.K. Rowling thing where she wrote different ways to say woman. And then people like freaked out on her and called her transphobic oh, yeah. and yeah. all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then she like doubled down and was like, you know, you're hurting like actual women out there and like like taking away their rights and all sorts of stuff. So but she's actually had people who are who like went against her right at the beginning, like all of her like all the stars in her books uh, or in her movies went against her, but she's actually had people who've come out and said, well, maybe we were over the top. Yeah. So just, uh, just crazy that we live in a crazy world today. So, you know, I was looking at that and just, you know, really, really. Well, so with rolled up with, with rolled doll, they, uh, they are now going to have two versions of his books. Right. So they're going to leave one of them intact. Yeah. But it's just, it is interesting. And it's just like, Man, George Orwell should probably just be required, just required reading in general uh, with like 1984 and his predictions of doublespeak and and the, um, what is it, the thought police and all, like just so much stuff. Uh, But yeah, James Bond, that is, that's ballsy. (laughs) Like, I mean, you would have to so much, I mean, what do you, and then what are you going to do, not just with, 
I, we have deep fake technology. So like our studio is going to go back and edit things. We already see that happening with the Marvel movies. Marvel has gone and, uh, will go and they'll change not Marvel, but, uh, Disney will go and change things in Marvel and in star Wars. They'll edit like the content and fans will like pick up on it. Right. 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 And, uh, there's some, some other thing that's like that, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy now. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to end it there. All right. Uh, if you're someone who's seeking answers, you want to know more about your faith or your need to Jesus Christ in the Bible, please check out abfstudios.org. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of ABF, a church headquartered in the PDX area of Oregon. ABF makes helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large through our studios. If you're one of those who's enjoyed our resources, remember to like, subscribe, and share them and our podcast. And remember, you can find that at abfstudios.org. So please take a second to do that so you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. Remember that content is shared every Tuesday at 11 a.m. I'm Pastor Josh, your co-host and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty.